What we're really supposed to see here is all that happened to Jesus, including his rejection from the Jewish authorities and the betrayal of Judas, was sovereignly designed by God himself. You're listening to the Calvary Cast, Passion Week 2020. These podcasts will serve as daily devotionals, walking you through the final days of Jesus' life on earth. Wednesday, April 1st, 33 AD. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Now when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. And they plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 2, Jesus said, You know that after two days Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. And that really is a sobering statement and a reminder that Jesus knew exactly what was coming. So as we analyze today, which is Wednesday of the Passion Week, the gospel writers are um, to seem to be constantly reminding us that Jesus knew that on Friday he would be on the cross paying for our sins. And uh, that's a sobering thing to think about. He knew he was going to be bearing the wrath of God for our sins. Uh, One of the unique features of Wednesday is it is the day that the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees and uh, the priests, gathered together and they plotted to kill Jesus. Ironically, they were simultaneously planning for the Passover feast and to worship God through that. And I think the readers of the Gospels are to really marvel at the hardness of heart displayed by these men. They were filled with such animosity and hatred toward Jesus. And they rejected him, even though they knew all he had done, and even though they knew he hadn't done anything worthy of death, which was why they would have to summon false witnesses to testify against him at his trials. But their animosity and hatred for him was intense. And you have to know that these religious leaders had heard the accounts of uh, things like the uh, raising of Lazarus from the dead and all of the other uh, many, many miracles Jesus performed. And I think we're supposed to read that and marvel at how Uh, how much hatred they had for Jesus and how they could reject Jesus against so much evidence. But also, uh, it's possible that this day was the day when uh, Judas himself went to meet with some of these religious leaders and offered to betray Jesus 
and made that deal with them for 30 pieces of silver that he would uh, turn Jesus over to them. And I think that if we, we really ponder that fact, Judas, who had walked with Jesus for several years now, who had experienced firsthand Jesus' teaching and love and miracles, and just days before had seen Jesus raise a man from the dead. And I think as we think about Judas, we ask the question, how could he reject Jesus as his Messiah and betray Jesus in such a horrific way after he had heard and seen so much? Well, in connection to this week and at the end of Jesus's ministry, John answers that question, at least in part, in John chapter 12, where he records this, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Then John says, Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He, that is God, has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. The rejection of Jesus by the Jews was a divine hardening by God of their hearts and a blinding of their eyes. This was a uh, judicial uh, judgment against them. But I think what we're to see here, and I realize this brings out a lot of questions in our minds, but what we're really supposed to see here is that all that happened to Jesus, including his rejection from the Jewish authorities and the betrayal of, of Judas, was sovereignly designed by God himself. This was all part of his plan. One that he was currently working out, even through the hardening of the hearts of the Israelites, so that they would reject Jesus as their Messiah. But remember, God was doing all of this for our salvation, so that Jesus would go to the cross and pay for our sin. And I think we're to sit and ponder this, we're to marvel about this, and we're to be humbled by all of this. Paul addresses the mass rejection of the Jews uh, of Jesus in Romans 9 through 11, and he teaches a lot about that. And you could take the time to read through that whole section and and, uh, study through what Paul says. But towards the end of all that teaching, Paul breaks out in what we call a doxology, a a verbal confession of praise and worship to God. And he said this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You see, everything being done in the Passion Week was designed to bring glory to God. Glory to God for his grace and love, yes, but also for his righteous judgments and his sovereignty. 
You know, when we talk about the cross, it's appropriate to talk about the wonderful demonstration of love that God is displaying for us as human beings in sending his son. It's appropriate to talk about the son's love for his people as he lays down his life for his sheep. And, and it's appropriate because the Bible is very clear that this was a demonstration of God's love to human beings. But we cannot develop a man-centered view of the cross. God wants to be praised and worshiped and glorified for who he is and what he has done. All of our salvation has been planned and designed and was worked out by God in his son Jesus for his glory. The Apostle Paul hits on this when he writes in Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory." As Paul describes God's actions to save us in these verses, beginning before the foundation of the world and worked all the way through Christ into the moment when God called you and poured his spirit out upon you. He concludes each section with that verbal praise to God. This was done with this aim in mind. God did what he did with this goal in mind to the praise of his glory. That especially we as his people would marvel at the fact that he would save us from our sins and do it in the way that he did it. You know, the Reformers understood this, and from them we have those important five solas of, of uh, salvation. And they made it plain and clear that we were saved through Scripture alone, by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. And the last one is what I'm getting at, soli deo gloria, we are saved to the glory of God alone. Let's remember that the Passion Week is ultimately not about us. It is about God being glorified for his power and love. As we ponder all the marvelous things that happen, let's remember to give all glory and praise to him. The Calvary Cast is a ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. In Calvary, we exist for the glory of God the good of his people, and the Great Commission. You can find out more about Calvary by visiting our website, calvarybiblechurchgj.org. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.